With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Everybody, welcome! It is the glow. No, it's not. We rebranded. It is the. <laughs> it is the triple sub pod. We've got a new name. We've got a new face. It's the same old people though, but we decided that we needed a little bit something different just to get what we're putting across and uh, and, and put it into uh, a nice new pigeonhole for you to to look at. Global was maybe getting a bit old. And uh, like any good endeavor, we just rebranded every couple of years. We it took us a very long time to come up with this name, so I don't want any guff from you guys uh, coming back to us and saying it's 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 not what you like. We, we, at this point, just just accept, just accept it. It's fine. It's the triple subs, the three of us. It's who you call when you you've looked across your bench for the entire game and you thought, nah, fuck, they're not going to do anything, and then you have no hope left. That's us, right? <laughs> We're coming to save your day. So, with this, we've also got a couple of new things that we're looking to kick off underneath this uh, this new banner. And one of these things is a new segment. It's going to be a weekly segment. And to take you through that, I'm going. You know what? Let's just treat. Why don't you start us off? Yeah. Before we get on, I'm quite disappointed you didn't say. A new face with the same voices. I was like hoping we would do some spin-off like that. Uh, but uh, coming to the new segment, so it's going to be a weekly segment, as Kalen said. Uh, we are going to be talking about the main news items, Liverpool, sometimes not Liverpool related. And I'm going to let Leroy spoil the name because obviously <laughs> Kalen cannot take the blame for all the bad things. So <laughs> we'll let Leroy take over. Well, you know what? Let's just kick things off. So, welcome to the first ever Counter Press, which is a weekly or periodical segment. But of course, with how we are from the Global Podcast, you know, now with the Superstar Podcast, we talk about news revolving Liverpool and football in general. But of course, we'll present it in a different manner. So, with this weekly segment, I think what we'll do is We'll, we'll rotate host between the three of us, but either way, the players, the other two people, will be given a topic by the host, and they will debate 
see who can argue the better point, whether they are in agreement or not, whether they are on the inside or not on, on a certain topic. But the hosts, me for this week, will give out points based on the arguments made and we'll have a weekly winner, you know, just for just for pride's sake, you know, if if in the future we want to give uh, a bit of a pun, we will see what to do with that. But for now, let's just go on pride's sake. So I'll be hosting this week, you know, the, the first ever counter press and the players will be K and 3 for sure. You guys ready to kick, kick things off or do you guys want to, uh, you know, have a bit of a smack talk before we start? Maybe a prayer. <laughs> I hate why must it be points I don't know I would like to put on record I didn't agree with that and um, if anybody asks Roy has specifically asked me to be the Alan Davis on this periodicals QI but less funny so <laughs> let's see what it gets us it's, it's almost like Roy is the manager he looks at the bench he sees both of us doesn't bring us on and says yes the statement I'm making to the owner we need better people <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess having points makes it a bit more interesting, right? It makes you want to debate better and, you know, again, for pride's sake, I think that, that that's worth it, you know? It brings out a bit of competition out of all of us. So, if you guys are ready, let's kick things off. Yeah, let's yeah, go. as competitive as Sunderland is this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I think, you know, the first question for the counter-press this week is, you know, the biggest question for sure was whether or not Nabil Fakir was going to sign for Liverpool or not from Lyon. You know, from health and medical concerns to doubts over Lyon's management and, you know, how willing they are to part ways with their mutual talisman. There have been a ton of tweets, articles, podcasts revolving around all of this. You know, we've had similar problems with Van Dyke last summer along with a multitude of field transfers in the past. So, the, the, the question I have for you guys is, should Liverpool fans worry about this since we will be missing out on the dynamic attacking piece that could potentially solve our midfield. Or should Liverpool fans remain cheery due to the fact that, you know, we already have two brilliant players coming in in Nabi Keita and Fabinho. I'll start with you, Kay, since you're the host. I'll just let you, let you kick things off first. Nabil Fakir, worry or cheery? It's, it's a bit weird. The whole thing is so weird and it's difficult to know whether to sort of worry or be cheery. I don't understand the whole transfer thing, and I'm going to put it down to the fact that Liverpool can't release, or you know, nobody can release information from the medical, and we don't know exactly what's going on. I think the difficulty there is with Fakir. If you release the wrong kind of information, it seriously diminishes his value in the transfer market, and that's you know, that's sort of not good for anybody. So, is that? But on the question of how we respond to it. What is what is also difficult to gauge is I think there is a little bit of worry in here because look it's it's unlucky that the World Cup is here now and I think during that period there's not a lot of transfer news that's coming up, a lot of transfer rumor. But at the same time like it's the World Cup, there should be a lot of transfer rumor. I remember do you remember like the last World Cup James Rodriguez was yeah. everything. You know, it was uh, and of course that's a, a bit when we get to the latter stages of uh, of uh, of this country's run in the World Cup, but it was starting even before. You know, it was starting even like, oh, we have to look at this guy, look at this guy. We're looking at this person, watch those countries' games. What Liverpool are doing currently is watching current players' games. We're looking at Egypt, we're looking at Senegal, etc., etc., etc. You know, and and seeing what happens there. What is a bit worrying is the fact that 
we are not linked with anybody and there's no second or third choice seemingly on this list. It the, the noises that do seem to be coming out is like Klopp wants Kahir, Kahir wants Klopp and that you know, if if that's the case, if if we is Klopp all in on this thing and if Klopp wasn't all in, we'd have the second or third um name sort of coming out in the media, it would have moved on already. I, I remember when we were getting Salah, then there were a couple of names before. When we were getting Mane, there were a couple of names before. You know, the, the, that's how Liverpool sort of worked. And this one, like Van Dyke, when there was no one coming out, there were no other names. That was it. There were no other names. Van Dyke was the guy we were going to go get. And this looks like the same thing. If that's the case, then what Liverpool have played here is a little bit on side, if I can call it that. It looks like what they're trying to do is release information about the medical and sort of go, I want the price to be knocked down. That is weird in that you can't say, give me a player for, for £20 million less because he's only going to last two years. An injury like that, you don't know when it's going to go off. It's not two years, you know, so we're not buying a player for two years for £30 million. That doesn't work that way. You could be buying him for six months or two months or something, and the injury goes. You know, does that mean we're going to get two years of play out of that person? We can't say that. If we, you know, it's either yes or no with these kinds of injuries. If it's a big risk, then you say no. If it's a small risk, then you can't be knocking that much off of the price. The disruption that has been caused to the player, to the transfer market, or not the transfer market, to, to his club, to Liverpool and all that, it just seems not worth it kind of thing. So it's it's really worrying from that perspective. It's it's sort of worrying that there's one target and it's sort of worrying the means we're going about to get it. Right, so that's that's sort of mean and shock where I'm at. That, that, that's all very fair. Three, you know, for you as, as a Liverpool, do you think Liverpool fans should be worried about this or, you know, especially with, with Fakir being such a great player or do you think we should be, you know, still remain cheery because, as I said, we've already added Keita and Fabinho and, all we are really looking for is just that third midfielder to, to fill up that spot. Do you think Liverpool fans should be worried? Or, or, or do you think we can still remain positive moving forward? Uh, my personal view is it's a both. Uh, <laughs> uh, worried because uh, what, considering Fekir, what, what does it bring to the table? Do you have alternates who can deliver the same what Nabil Fekir can? Uh, the question is, I personally kind of think, obviously, the minute you switch to alternatives, the minute you switch to alternatives, it will always be a compromise or something. Maybe you get a proper more box to box midfielder, he's not going to give you goals. Or you get a proper attacking player, he's not essentially a third midfielder. So the question is, if what we are looking for is a player who has Fekir's attributes, it's obviously going to get far more tough. That is the reason why he came up in all our parameters. He's coming from League when he's not Premier League. Obviously, he's coming from a different league. He's a captain. So, obviously, there are a lot of on-field and off-field attributes we are looking at. So, are we going to be able to find someone who can bring all those attributes which Fekir has? That is the one. Obviously, we'll have to come so The cheerful thing is, one, obviously, we have pulled off signings like Fabinho where nobody had any clue. And also, the other point, Caleb said, when we wanted Bantag, we got Bantag. Which means that if there is only soul target, we somehow managed to get the target. The third bit is obviously Klopp has shown that he has the ability, he's not getting his plan A. He can get a plan B, plan C, and maybe it makes two slight tweaks to the system. So maybe if we end up buying a far more attacking player than Fekir, then obviously he's going to make a switch in mid. So he might just say, I 
Fabinho or Keita or let's say Ox comes in the next year, Ox is an option in the next year while this year we manage with the Wijnaldum, Milner and the Henderson mix. So there are, so there are, chill, there are options which we have made two signings and we never know who are the targets and if there is no one else also Liverpool end up getting the targets in next year. Either way speaking. He's the only choice that is then possibility we are going to get him. If he's not the only choice, obviously there are two things. Far more the money quick, as I said, is far more tough to find an exact player who has all these attributes. We are maybe going to have a player with a lesser fit in terms of some attributes of a game and more fit in, and then we are going to obviously tweak it about. So it's a bit of a worry, but on the whole, Liverpool have had very few that signings at the club. So I trust Klopp is going to. If he gets another player who thinks he's also good at Liverpool, he's going to get it and tweak the system. Yeah, so I guess you are more on the theory side, if I have to guess. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, 60 40 is what a number. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think really, really great points from both of you. I think, you know, for this first one, I will give a, a go it to both of you. It's 1 1 for now. I think, okay, you brought up the point of, you know, going all in for Fakir, and, you know, if you look around, there's not really a lot of proper alternative to him you know when you compare someone like Van Dyke for example right Van Dyke do, do you uh, know what I just second. noticed something as well Roy Go ahead, like, right. as you were saying that I think the reason why Klopp wants to do it this way now is what he's seen is especially what we saw in the final Salah goes off and we didn't trust our front line players um, our most advanced players uh, Firmino and Mane who have been doing it for us all season but we didn't really trust them in the same way we trusted Salah we didn't um, we didn't ad- make the play that advanced. We just dropped like, and we didn't drop ten yards. We dropped like twenty yards in that final, and we never sort of got out of our of our area. You know, we, we never got out of that frame of mind of of just trying to hold Real at bay and then coming out later. That's not how a top team reacts. And I think what Klopp is going for is there have to be people all around the field that you can trust, and there must be more than one of them. At the moment, it's very clearly it's it's Van Dijk and Salah, and I think he wants to, I think Nabi will certainly fall into that category, but is he enough to be the bridge between, uh, to, to, to hold the play in that advanced manner? And I think Fahiri is important for Klopp in that manner. And just as what you're saying, I, I just think he's looking at that, if he swaps to an alternative, it doesn't hold the same brand, or not, not brand, but it doesn't hold the same water, you know, the same authority as that. So I just wonder if Klopp is looking at that as well. And if we don't get Fahiri, that's also a worry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think you know a go each is pretty fair. You know, you brought up the. I really like the point of you know really going all in on Fakir. When I think of alternatives to him, I can really only think of Hakim Ziyech, and I think only recently we've been you know half linked to him. But apart from that, you know, I, I don't think there's been any proper alternative to him, like a proper number ten who is almost fully focused on scoring goals and creating goals for others. And I don't think there's been there are a lot of players like that in the market. But on the flip side, I, I think what Sri said as well is that, you know, we can balance out that midfield tree with someone like Wijnaldum if we need to, or Chamberlain if he comes back fresh uh, next season with, you know, partnering them with Keita and, and Fabinho. I think Keita can take up a little bit of that attacking prowess that, that Fakir will have brought. And, you know, maybe we have Wijnaldum or, or Oxlade-Chamberlain to provide a bit of that support and Fabinho does, you know, steadying the ship a little bit. I think... That is also a fair point. So I think the score going uh, being one one for now is is pretty fair. So I think with that said, let's go into our second topic, which is another player that we've been linked with. You know, after Nabil Fakir, 
the next big talk has been about the Swiss winger Zerdan Shakiri, right? So with Stoke being relegated, all hands have been on deck for arguably the best player of that side. And with a potential bargain of a price tag, Liverpool definitely has been linked with, with Shakiri. So the question here is simple again. Assuming a reasonable price is, uh, uh, I guess, on our hands at the moment, is Shakiri worthy of being on this Liverpool side? Three, I'll start with you now. Shakiri, a must or a pass? For that price, yes. That's the thing. It's conditional based on the price. It's going to be a reasonable price because as a player, there's no doubt of his capabilities. Obviously, how power match Stoke was, he's literally contributed to what a little Stoke did. And obviously, we have seen his potential at Bayern Munich. We have seen it at deeply at Inter. The, the couple of questions is how much of a fit is he in the system? We employ obviously, we, obviously Stoke obviously did nothing in terms of intensity of what we would do. So obviously, and another thing I would think is from a point of view of Shakiri, he came to Stoke from Inter Milan because he was guaranteed starts. There were obviously a lot of teams who would have been interested in him. He obviously took the chance. One was obviously the English Premier League B. His preference would have been an addition maker, but obviously he would have got say options. He could have come to Liverpool. Originally he was linked to Liverpool far more before. But obviously I think he's a player at his he's now like you could say almost at his prime or just above his prime, he would look for stars. So from a Shakiri point of view, what does it does he prefer being the big fish in a small pond or vice versa? I'm not sure. But in terms of the price, it makes sense. I'm not convinced about the fit because we have seen the kind of players Klopp wants. Ability to keep running, maybe keep up the intensity or high acceleration, ability to press uh, off-field characteristic, ability to gel within a squad, how he trains, checks each and every little manual. We have seen how much physically he seems. Maybe it's something, something of an illusion, but he clearly seems Basically, regress from what he was at, say, Bayern Munich or Inter Milan. So, I'm not sure about the fit. But if Klopp trusts that he's going to contribute in one way or the other, if the price is right, which I'm thinking is quoted, say, 12, 13 million, I would say yes. And, okay, you know, I mean, on Twitter, you can see that there is still, still a portion of the fan base is pretty much very against this. You know, I, I think they, they, are, they probably see Shakiri in, in a bad light. They may see him as, you know, uh, sort of like a small-time player and, and, and why are Liverpool trying to go for these small-time players when we've just made the Champions League final? You know, do you agree with that portion of the fan base or, or do you have anything else that you want to elaborate on from, from what Sri has already said? I largely agree with you. Like, very much so. It, it, I, can't, I can't understand when... You know, there have been a lot of games. Again, same problem that we've had. Someone like Salah goes off and... The opposition, I'll talk about this in an opposition perspective, the opposition will move forward. The, the um, opposing uh, wing uh, fullback, for example, will decide to advance up the field a few yards and that will help out the midfield that changes the dynamics of the patterns of play immensely. Right? Shakiri, within the Premier League at least, but also in large parts of Europe, um, in European competitions, he will be able to supplement our a wider forwards and even the number 10 position because he sort of does that for, for Switzerland as well. Enough, he's got enough of a reputation, he's got enough of a skill set, he's got enough there to be able to come on for us and still occupy, still occupy defenses, which is a big thing for us, you know, to, to have a presence in that, in that 
midfield uh, to have a presence up front uh, to be able to keep players back and, and uh, make space for other people that's going to be key on the on the issues of fit I have a lot of worry on that as well uh, initially when we signed him I worry if he's fit enough I worry if he can counter press enough and I worry if he will be demanding that amount of games and uh, that's sort of the thing that we're looking exactly what Shri is saying on the problems of fit and fitness and all that you will not be able to play at all in this entire group if Klopp deems you unfit. We saw that when, when sort of Ox came in. We saw that when numerous players came in. Van Dijk, he wouldn't play in the team unless uh, unless Klopp was happy that they are up to scratch. And during that time, the feedback from the players were absolutely 100%. They were like, yeah, no, we totally understand why we aren't playing. We agree with Klopp. We're getting up to scratch. And when we were up to measure, put in the team, it made a big difference. And we were happier for that. So if if... The, the big thing from Shakiri is attitude. He has to get in with that attitude. He has to get on board with Klopp's philosophy. And then I've got no real problems with with how he can work. The starting positions is the only thing that I'd be worried about. If he's going to be a little bit stroppy around, can he start every game? Because I don't see him starting. You know, uh, the amount of games that, from what I've seen in the press, that would be the only sort of penny for me. If he's, if he's going to expect to start a lot, I don't see who he starts up for because I don't see him being brought in the squad for first team plays. He's not he's not out for Kiri replacement. He is the guy who's going to supplement for Kiri. He's going to supplement Salah. He's going to do that kind of stuff. Um, all around, I, I just look at the people we brought on on a lot of occasions throughout last season. I look at the amount of injury, uh, the amount of people with long term injuries in the squad, the susceptible squad members, and I just look at Shakiri and I think. There's a ready-made replacement. You know, he, he, he he's not going to be injured that much. He's going to be a good presence in the team. He's he's skillful and he can he can certainly do that job for us. I'm I'm very much on board. Yeah, and I think you know, we both of you guys sort of debating on the same side. I think it's fair to give you guys both a go again. I think you know, uh, three brought up the point on on Shakiri and and whether he's ready to accept more of like a big part role, more of like a a supplementary role as as you mentioned, K. I think that is a concern that we should definitely be worried with. And you know, your point, K, on, on uh, you know how Shakiri sort of supplements Salah, and uh, you know, considering that we've only seen one truly major breakout season from Salah last season, we don't know. We still don't know if he can carry it forward to this season, where teams are maybe they could be a bit more prepared for players like Salah. We know Mane has been out injured for a while. Uh, you know, uh, we we just don't know how how well we can adapt from last season, how well we can continue the momentum from last season. So to bring in someone like Shakiri, it sort of like, it sort of, you know, spreads out the risk a little bit, you know, it allows us to, to be a bit more cautious of this drop-off or, or injuries moving forward. So, yeah, I think a goal is, is really fair here. So the score is now 2-2 and we'll move on to our next topic, which is on the goalkeepers for sure, right? That's been a huge talk about, uh, you know, goalkeepers. I cannot Liverpool wait problems. to see what Shree says upon this. Yeah. I, I've been waiting for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about goalkeepers since, like, you know, early this year or even yeah. last year. And, and I think, you know, if we were to assume that Alisson doesn't sign for Liverpool and Oblak is happy where he's at at Atletico Madrid, we don't sign someone of that caliber, do you want carriers to have competition or... Should we sort of place all of our chips on carriers and, and and just having adequate backup for him? I think that is a huge question mark on everyone's head. You know, if if we do bring someone in who can provide a little bit of competition, it will be someone of 
you know, someone like Jack Butlin's uh, caliber coming in, not quite as Anderson or, or Yen Oblak yet. So I think the main question here is, do we want competition for carriers or do we just continue to develop carriers moving forward? So Kay, I'll go back to you on this start first. Competition or development? I Yeah, I'm not going to speak too long on this one, but essentially for me, what I'm feeling, I'm, I'm not that I'm against carriers. I, I don't think he's anyway close to the levels of uh, of bad that people are saying it like now that he's made the problem in the uh, the you know he's had that final and had all those uh, those issues now people are coming out and saying that oh he's done this quite a lot throughout the year and i, I think that yes he, he has but that's because he's not the finished product we didn't buy the finished product how much did he cost us guys like six million or something like that eight million it, it wasn't it wasn't a ton of money yeah, because we knew he was he was he was not developed he is I'd say removing the final, he is he is precisely at the level that I thought he would be. Um, and I, I, I before the final, um, to be a little bit hypocritical, I would have been more than happy for him to continue. I, I would say bring in competition, bring in good competition. Um, and there, you know, it's, it's I don't know about these half measures. I don't know about tying somebody that we don't see um, going to be. I, I know, like I hate the thing of. This person is going to be at the club for the next 10 years. Nobody is at the club for 10 years anymore. We're buying a keeper for three years, four years, or something like that. That's what we're doing. I mean, it's, it's, that, that's how players are nowadays. They don't, they don't stay at clubs for 10 years. So, uh, you know, who are we going to buy? I would not buy somebody we're not utterly convinced could be the, you know, our number one keeper. I don't like buying backups. Um, and the reason I would have competition in this level is because I am worried that Carrius needs a year to get to recover. Essentially, I, I'm not sure on his personal level, and I, this is because I really don't know Carrius at all on a, on a personal level. We just haven't seen enough of him. I think just not familiar. But if he cannot recover in time, I think there's enough of a keeper there to to give him time, to give him a year to just recover. And if that means like him playing on the bench for for a, a little while and only doing particular competitions, you know, I'm happy for that. But that also means that I want, I don't want to lose a year of goalkeeper again because we've had terrible, uh, terrible experiences with waiting for goalkeepers to develop. And I think it's just about time that we went there and we spent the money and got competition in. I don't know what that does for carriers, to be honest. Essentially, what I'm saying is carriers should go somewhere else and, and, and have that time to develop. I mean, in essence. But I don't think we can we can rely on just carriers being there in case, and this is the problem, it's in case he recovers from this, in case he develops to, to how we want. If we didn't have the final, I would be happy. I'd be happy to sit here and say, let's have carriers have a season. I'm really worried about the mental aspects of his game. And in that respect, I would like him to recover from those because I do believe there's a good keeper in there somewhere, but that does mean I want proper competition if we're going to have carriers. And three, you know, going back to you, I think, you know, when you look at, most of the of, of the top sides uh, in, in recent years, you know, you think of Man City and you think of Ederson, you think of United, and you think of De Gea, you think of Chelsea, you think of Courtois, you think of Spurs, you think of Lloris. So, you know, we're, we're seeing a sort of like a trend here. We, we don't really see other teams having two or three great goalkeepers that they can rely on, but they really have one standout world-class goalkeeper and, you know, have just, just a couple of supplementary goalkeepers that they may use for a couple of cup games here and there. But, don't really have a, a, a fixed end goal in mind for them. So with that said, do you think 
Liverpool should continue the path of giving competition for their goalkeepers, or do you think they should just you know put all their chips into carriers and and developing? Yes. So regarding keepers, this is just my personal opinion. I'm hundred percent anti-competition when it comes to keepers mm. because competition. So rot- I'm not talking about rotation. For example, when you see Barcelona, they play Tesegen and Silicon, or when they got Tesegen, they played Bravo and Tesegen. They rotated in different competitions. So that was rotating your keepers. So I wouldn't essentially term, and I'm not in favor of that anymore. So I don't see why your keeper is fit for Premier League. Why is he not fit for Champions League? What he why he was, I'm not sure where that even lies. So keeper is one position, one where I'm absolutely anti-competition for two aspects. Obviously, keepers are as much as you as you talk about the capabilities. Psychological and mental when it comes to they need to be in the game that frame of mind. They need to be in the frame of mind of always playing and especially the club at Liverpool. It's not like so when you remember when you signed Simon Mignolet from Sunderland. Everybody said he, great keeper, he makes a lot of saves. And that is where the problem he was always involved in the game and he came to a club like Liverpool where he had very few saves to make. So whenever he had time to think is when he would score. Anything he does instinctively, great. Penalty saves are great. He reacts to the situation great. Whenever you allow him time to think, messes it up like crazy, and that is going to be the problem. Buying a keeper who's who's always involved in the game is going to be challenging for Liverpool because Liverpool's problem has been just conceding high quality chances. Chances are less, but chances conceded are high quality. So I don't see one concept of rotating base because as important as your centre backs are, like fixed in a team, your keeper should be fixed in a team. As you said, start like how many top teams they have where keepers compete. None. It's it's like there are only two ways to go. You have a main keeper, you have a young second keeper, or you have a very experienced second keeper. You don't have twenty four or twenty five year old keepers competing. Very rare. It's, as I said, one example I can think of was this Barcelona or at least still Barcelona when Bravo was there. Uh, that's something other. Very very few teams rotate at all. So rotation or competitions. Something I am personally against. Coming to carries, so okay, we talked Oblak, we have talked Allison, we have talked. Let's talk about the money you need to pay. It's not about just getting obviously you be paid seventy five million. So, but I'm assuming if you are not going to get Allison, and uh, I don't know if any people know that I'm absolutely anti Allison. Oblak, I'm fine with. <laughs> uh, uh, so I get if you, if you don't get Oblak, and uh, fortunately if you don't get Allison. Uh, then who do you have? How much do you pay to get a keeper who's how much better is going to get? Ken made a fair point about saying uh, we don't know how Caris is going to recover. And fortunately, he's he's going to have a two months break. Whereas his mind has to be upright for this because the more he's going to think about the game, the thing which is going to come about is the last game he's played, which is natural. So he's had a two months break, and he's shown. He's shown at least the trend in terms of four months. He can keep it. Let's see his numbers. His numbers are one of the best in the league, or at least Liverpool. When Carries has played every game, has been one of the best in the league. You could say it's impact of Van Dijk. I would say it's an impact of Van Dijk and playing a settled team. You knew who was playing every week, and that's what we need. So I'm personally not against Carries being the boy. Yes, you could get he's made a mess of the big game. What happens? We again go to the big game. Is he going to score? 
does it. Yeah. We don't know. He could mess Although up. Even, even, even big game. Uh, not even big game, Shri. I, I, what I'm a bit worried about is, is he always worried about making a mistake? And that's what, as somebody who's much mm. more an expert on keepers than I am, Shri, it, it, like, are keepers doing that anyway? Or is that something specifically we have to worry no. about? See, the point is, it's, it, I, uh, how do I say it? It's, <laughs> it's, it's like keepers... Mistakes are the ones which are going to get overrun because any mistake yes. is good. Defenders yeah, yeah. mistake, keepers have a chance to retrieve, strikers to miss. A keeper mistake more or less means that there is less. So obviously their mistakes are going to be magnified. So what you need is obviously a keeper who has the least amount of error. There's no point seeing errors leading to goal. It's almost going to be 100% translation. So what we need is errors. Which, which is where the psychological bit comes in. It's just not about ability to just keep making saves. It's about making saves. You get one big chance to get many saves. With Liverpool, it's just going to be about that. Opposition yes. is going to have one chance, two chances, and again, can you save it? Uh, can you, are you going to the game for 90 minutes when you have nothing to do in 80 minutes? Yep. And that is the big challenge and it's going to be with Liverpool. And what we are also looking for Liverpool is obviously whenever few of them chances comes in, Ability to quick release, obviously get the game going fast. And Canis seems to already so we need to see his high. He already has a very high line where he stands. He's, so he's had a bad game. There's no debating it. Have, you, have I seen a worse, worse goalkeeper performance at a game of that standard? No. I, I can't even recollect anything of that. Oliver can't make a big mistake, but two in the game, uh, I can't even recall. Can he recover? We don't know. But he's had. Best thing to look for is a two months break. Imagine he makes it before and he needs to obviously what Klopp would have done is he would have obviously pulled him out. So if you remember last season he had what what was it? Bournemouth or Mes- Bournemouth was the game where he messed up totally. And Klopp himself wanted to remember the media media was so much on carries he pulled out carries because this was mid season. Now he has two months, he's not in any game. He just needs to come back to pre season and start doing all over. See, as a keeper, what doesn't change the same things in the age. Keeper are creatures of habit. They just keep doing the same. It's not that unless you're preparing for a penalty shooter, you analyze your opposition. But most times, it's about ability to react. And until your hand-eye coordination and your reflexes are okay, there's not much you can Goalkeepers cannot control it because goalkeepers as pushing is ability to react to what happens. They cannot Say a defensive player or a deep line playmaker can control the pace of the game, can dictate the game. Keepers cannot dictate anything. They are just a line of defense. They have to react. So, till his mind is in the right place, which I think should be two months is enough. You are a keeper at this highest level if you can. Keepers always make mistakes. It's just that some are at the very big stage or some are under so much synergy of ice, it just gets. Keepers always make mistakes, as I said, because that gets shown up the most. If you if you are going to suffer a breakdown totally because you have made mistakes, I'm not sure whether if that is the case, he should be sold. There's no point keeping. It doesn't point. make no, sense that he becomes second choice. How is he good enough as a second choice? Because mm-hmm. second choice, you are hoping to call him up, and if you're not confident about him, why would you have him as a second choice? Is he there or is he not there? I don't get this. Allowing to record, he's, that's what these two 
sets up for Ishwar. So he's already, I'm quite sure he loves America. I'm sure he's there already. He's just going to forget football, come back and start playing again. That's what. Obviously, the first game he comes in, I'm sure Sky or whoever they're going to ask about if Carriers is starting. Is he? Do you think he's recovered? I'm sure Klopp is going to make just blow them out of water, saying obviously he is ready and we're going to see him in preseason. So either way, I'm quite confident we get a good first chance. Obviously, I'm not talking Butler as first chance. As I said in the chat, there are only two names I can think of who are clear cut worth the money you're playing for and the players step up. And what the experience can do. Talking Oblak or I'm talking test again. I can't see any. We are landing one of the two great others. I don't mind having carries. Okay, I think both of you brought very great points to the table. And for the first time, both are sort of arguing on, on properly different sides. So I think that'd be great. So this is tough, right? So I think when we talk about bringing competition, you know, that there's always that. You know, for the last one or two seasons, we've seen Liverpool with, you know, juggling between Mignolet and someone else, whether it's, uh, 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 Brad Jones or whether it's Carriers. We've always found that there is that small overlap or, or that small time frame where both keepers just aren't performing and, and you know, we're, we're left with a very unreliable keeper. But at the same time, when you look at, you know, looking to develop Carriers, I think, yeah, what Three said makes sense as well. Like, you know, you don't, you know, why, why, why bother bringing carriers when you're going to half-ass his development, right? So, this is tough, but I think I'm leaning more on the side of competition because when you look, when, when I look at it, I guess, you know, I'm sort of one banking on carriers to really, truly recover from the Champions League final and coming back to perform reliably for the rest of the season. And if he doesn't, then we're falling back on Mignolet, which I think is, you know, just going back to square one. And on the I other think, time, I think he's gone. I think Migs is gone. I think we're falling back on Ward. Yeah, so you know, I don't, I don't way, know how you know, good he is anymore. I guess, I guess for me, either way, you know, if, if we fall back on Mignolet, I feel like we're going back to square one. If we're falling back to someone like Danny Ward, then I, I'm, I'm just not sure, not convinced by him totally yet. So that's why I think, even if we do bring in Butler and Mignolet goes, I think that may give us a bit of a safety net. But again, I, I fully understand that bringing in Butler or, you know, maybe someone else, like for example, a, a Silicon, for example, right, just throwing names out there. That could hamper us getting an elite goalkeeper moving forward. Yes, yes. But yes. again, I, I also can see that you know if if we do stick with carriers and he, if he can recollect himself from from the final, I think with Fabinho coming in, with Keita coming in, I think we'll have a a, a better midfield who can you know, sort of stop or prevent some of these silly. Uh, I I I guess silly mistakes in in defense or or at least in defensive transitions to happen. So it's pretty tough, but I, I'm sort of leaning towards competition. You know, even if you don't get Allison or or Oblak, I think you could get someone who can either de- really, really develop, or, or you know, right now he can come in and if let's say Carriers drops off, you have someone who can come in to either learn or or, or fill in the shoes for a while. I I, I think I'm I'm gonna give Kalen two points on this, and Sri, I'll give you one on this. But it's I have really, a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. You say you are buying yourself, you said someone who can fill in the shoes, who can learn or who can support. Are you buying a number two? I would think you are buying more of a, of a number 1.5 if that. <laughs> As a yeah, keeper, you are either number one or number two. How is it? What is a 1.5? It's tough because I'm just thinking, you know, if we were to fully develop. The keeper a needs to know he's a number one. Yeah, you know, but, but that's the statement of, of we, are, we are not sure who's a number one. 
we have not decided this is absolute god yeah and i feel like you know let's say we were to develop carrot fully then we don't even need to go into the market to get anyone you know we just run with carrot as the number one and then we will we'll fall back on either Mignolet if it's here, which I don't think is a really good option for us, or we will fall back on Danny Ward, who, as I said, I'm not 100% convinced yet. But I, I, I do think we need that backup, and you know, as I, I'm more of a, I, I guess it's me personally as well, being a bit risk-averse, you know, if Carriers doesn't pick things up from the final, or and or he doesn't consistently perform well or good enough, we don't really have anyone to, to fall back on, and I think that bit of competition may may help and at least we have someone to rely on should carriers fall off. So with that said, you know, like I said, if I could give the points, I would give more like a 1.5 to K and I'll give you 1.3. But, you know, for, for round number 6, I'll give K, uh, K 2 points and I'll give you 1 point for, for this one. Don't worry about it. There's two more topics coming up where you can make back. So let's go on to the next one, which is, you know, away from players and it's more on fixtures, you know, since the, the 2018-19 Premier League pictures came out. Gags and entry index, the team they've actually compiled other other factors in sort of cup, uh, sort of like cup games or Champions League games and international breaks and things like that. So three, I'll go back to you on this pictures. You know which which period do you think is the most busy for us, or should I say which month is the most busy for us? And for you listeners, if you do want to check it out, you can most likely find this on Twitter on on entry index. You can find the full graphic from from AI listing all the fixtures. So, three, I'll go to you on this. Which month do you think is the most busy or could prove to be the most, uh, the, 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 the toughest time for, for, for Liverpool next year? So, I have two spells outlined. One is tough, one is busy. Both are in the same. Let's go with tough. The tough spell is between the September international break and the October international we, so after the international break, for some reason, every time we come to an international break, we seem to play Spurs. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> but we start with Spurs away on the 15th of September. Then we have a CL Champions League group game. Then we have Southampton at home. Uh, we are going to be, uh, hopefully we are, we are there in the EFL Cup. So yes, obviously EFL Cup game is there on the 26th. Then we play Chelsea away. Then we play another Champions League game, then we have Manchester City at home. So we are looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 games from 15th of uh, September to uh, 6th of uh, October. So we are looking at what, 21 days, these many Probably number of games weeks. with the Spurs away, 2 Champions League games, Chelsea away, Man City home. Yeah, I think I think that's a good call. I think, you know, we've, you know looking at the four Premier League games, three of them are against quote-unquote, top four teams, and Southampton, again, not the easiest of teams that, you know, based on our past experiences. And of the three, two are away. Yeah, and two are away, plus you're looking at two Champions League group stage teams, which are, you know, not, it, it may be against the, the, the lower-seeded teams, but, you know, the fact that we may have to travel, or, or you know, just for the fact that we'll be playing in between, uh, or, or on, on weeknights, I think that could prove to be difficult. But King, and, any other thoughts on that? And, or, or and, uh, one, one more thing, we have the DFL Cup game. We are really hoping to win something. That might be something we might look at, which means we might need to put a stronger team, especially if we get a really bad draw early. Yeah, so I guess you know it's really luck based on the on the EFL Cup, and also it depends on who we play in those Champions League stages. But even if we play lower seeded teams, I think uh, you know just the fact that we 
play on those weak nights and we may have to travel to, to foreign country. I think that that may be a bit difficult and, and tough. So I think that's a fair shout. Okay. Uh, do you think that is the, the tough one or do you think that there's any other period that, that seems to be tougher? I, I, I mostly agree with Sri. I think on the issue of tough, it will, you know, we have the same, we'll have the same games in essence. So I think you have to look at, you know, it's, it's groupings of victories as Sri is saying, but in essence, for me, it's it's when you come back from a travel or from a cup game and, and what happens in the next game, sort of. Because more or less, given that we're in the Champions League, the, the fixtures are going to fall in the same way. I like that our fixtures seem, you know, they, they the tough matches seem more spread out than last season. They're, they're not clumped together in, in any way, which is which is great. Uh, apart from what Shrew was saying, that it's a bit weird. Like, in, we have our... Last group game, that's against, and then we come back, we play Man United. And then, when we, when we do our last 16 first leg, because, you know, we're there, um, what's happening? Are they first legs in the list yeah, I'm looking at? Guys in February. Yeah, that will be four more away, right? We don't know which one we draw. So it's second, it's, it's second uh, leg? Yeah, yeah, after the second leg, it will be United. Oh, those are the two, okay, maybe they're two first legs. Yeah, then then you have United away again as well. So, you know, after two Champions League games, we might have United um, home and then away, which is a horrible quirk to have. Yeah, it's just two first legs because the first legs are over two different weeks, so we don't know which week we yes. will be. We won't, yeah, we, we don't know when we'll be playing. So, so it, it might be that way. But then the only, you know, again, I, I think this also serves to highlight how much more confidence we can go into these fixture lists given that we've... Mm. We've, we've added into midfield. I always look at the December, January period to see what's going to happen there and if we can use those games to rotate quite a lot, which club seems to have down, so I'm happy for that. In January, though, we do have a lot of cup games. Um, and that would have made me a bit more worried in terms of, I know club wants to win it all. And so it, it's not so much a matter of prioritizing really rather than a matter of, um, Getting the, the that kind of rotation right, and given that we've got the reinforcements in midfield, I'm just so much happier about that. So you can bring on your league FA Cup EFL, league EFL FA Cup in January. You know that that's fine. You can bring in your uh, Champions League and EFL in February as well, because we'll have enough around there. So I'm not, to be honest, I, I'm not really looking at the fixture list as tough. Uh, really, given that we've got those additions to the to the squad, I'm more looking at the league games and seeing that our big games are, are pretty spread out, and I'm quite comfortable. I'm quite comfortable with all of them, to be honest. Okay, do you think three timeline is tough, or do you think the February sort of time frame seems to be tougher? No, I I, I think three three makes a good point in that it's tough. Uh, it's just I wouldn't, I would have like if if we had the same squad as last season, then. I would be saying I would be in the you know full tough position. I think this is relatively tough, but still something we can handle. Whereas with the before we got the reinforcements, I would have just said this is tough. This is absolutely I don't I don't really know what we're going to do. Klopp is going to have to do something special to to uh, to get us through these periods. Whereas now I'm I'm just like I said, I'm just a lot more comfortable. I'm not saying it's it's not tough. I just think our squad can handle this a lot better, so I'm not as worried about. Okay, I think one, one, uh, one, sorry, one interesting right. thing is obviously last season we dropped points after Champions League games. But this season we are playing home games where our record is excellent last season. 
So it's going it's going to be interesting to see which last season trend continues. Are we going to continue dropping points, or are we going to keep up the home record? Obviously, one of them only sticks. Yeah, and also when I'm looking at the December fixtures, right, doesn't seem like it's too difficult. You know, maybe apart from the United game there or the Arsenal game there, not too you difficult. Just Arsenal and City. That is the only thing. You have a two-day break, 29th yeah, and, and first. Yeah, you know, we we more or less play United, Arsenal, and City within like a, a two week, three weeks sort of time frame. But even though the the fixtures don't seem too difficult, you know, if you look at it individually. But the fact that you can just be playing so many games in December and January itself, I think when I'm looking at the February time frame that Kay brought up earlier, it seems like that could be where the team comes to play or, you know, maybe some injuries happen to our squad, you know, that, that's something to think about. But, you know, the fact that Kay actually agreed with you and that, you know, the, the, the early part, the September sort of period seems to be the, the toughest for us, I, I, I think, yeah, you know, I'll give you one point and K because you didn't bring anything new table, you get no point yeah, for that. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I'm, but just, the is I'm comfortable. <laughs> so, if that's it, you know, we, let's move on to the final topic, which is gonna be a bit more lighthearted, you know, don't, don't, don't get too stressed out. Is it, but, is it Cristiano Ronaldo? Because you, everybody's <laughs> pointing over Cristiano Ronaldo and yeah. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't I, know. I think, you know when, when you go Dodgy penalty. The, Goalkeeping stuff up, and a, a, obviously a wonderful free kick. But like, uh, come on, it's great. He's a great player, best two in the world, absolutely. But there's bigger stuff to fawn about him relative to him. I don't know. That, that just seems like. Yeah, Is that what we're going to talk about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and when you look at the hair making the mistake for the second goal, it gives you a bit of hope for carriers, right? <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I think how we can sort of distress a little bit is to go away from football a little bit. But the last topic is about the new unveiling of Liverpool's away kit. So a lot of mixed reviews on, on online from what I see. But you know, just to keep it short. Okay, striking is this, or shunning? Is this the purple one? Yeah, this is the purple. No, one. it's horrible. No, it's horrible. Get out. Get out. That's a goalkeeping kit at best, and goalkeepers are a bit weird, and that's why we make them wear stuff like that. It's if you didn't follow Liverpool Football Club, you would not be looking at that kit and going, "Ooh, that's nice." You would not be because it's revolting and it's horrible, and we should not. Have it. And I'm tired. Hey, can we please get Adidas back? That's what. I want. That's a rubbish kit. Three, you're a you're a fan of you know being a bit off the box. <laughs> goalkeeper, because he's a goalkeeper. So you know the purple kit. What do you think of it? You know, is it My good? My size is looking like a fucking ninja. I'm not <laughs> There is no <laughs> chance in LFM. Have you seen, have you seen the edits of, of, of the, of the unveiling and then they replace all of the kids with purple bins? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that. I would wear a bin then, that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I think just you know, I don't know how it's growing. I know Gags likes the kit. He, it was growing. He didn't like it at first no, and then he no. liked it afterwards. I don't understand Gags. I don't understand how you lot like this kit. This is, this is not normal. The point As is, it looks good because somebody else is wearing. Imagine you yourself wearing it, then say it's good or bad. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, Sadio Mane looks good in everything. Don't don't judge by that. Exactly. Yeah, you know. So I, I guess the consensus is that it sucks, right? Yes. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. 
it's so just I think something you, else. If that, I, I, I wish I just need, for this at least I just need to play every game. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, one thing I, is this you know, you know what's a, what's a good debate? What's a good debate, um, guys? Is remember the tribal kit we had, the yeah. the one when Suarez was here, that purple one. Yeah. Like I really disliked that kit. I disliked that kit a lot. I would not buy it. Do you, do you think this one is worse than that one? I have. But, I have one of those. It was gifted to me with that orange colored collar, right? Yes. I mean, somebody just opened a paint box and forgot how to design it. <laughs> just vomited no, on the like the thing about it that kit was the third kit because the yes. away kit the white one with the black tribal stuff at the bottom yeah. Awesome. yeah but this is the away kit which means you'll we'll see it half of the season yeah. half of the time but but Kalen you are asking me so we saw the thunder orange this season which was like it was like safety at night kit basically <laughs> so how would you compare that and the orange one was pretty good, actually, because that was it was good. It's pretty similar to the Netherlands one, so you know I'm used to it. I was happy with the I was happy with the orange. Just make up Netherlands not being the World Cup by wearing this. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm happy with there is not going to be any clash. Nobody is stupid enough to design this color. That's why they made the refs wear the purple. That's why, like the. Now it's not. Now the refs can't even do that when they play us. When they they, they ref for our game, it's just I don't know. Was is it just to be different? Is that why? Oh, did we run out of colors? We there was still green. There's still yellow. Like we haven't had those in a little while. Go do those, man. The orange one was was fine. I had no problem with the orange one. The What's black the was a winner. The proper black. Kid. The black one was boss. Just do that. Black and white. How people do black and white? Pink. Yes. <laughs> Everybody black, looks white, good in black. And people are going to rock up with like, here's a very attractive looking person in the purple kit. I think <laughs> this one. No, no. Everyone looks good in black kit. Just do that. Just do that. This purple one. No, man. What is an O2? Why are we doing this? Why do we do this to ourselves? This is why we put in nice things, man. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, why can't we just stick to the, the basic colors, right? So, you know, black, white, navy, things like that, right? But nope, we have to go out the way to go for orange and then purple and soon we have a bright green one and then soon we have Color an aqua one. We have come up with some weirdo design somehow. <laughs> Screw it up. It's like, this looks good. How can we make it bad? <laughs> Let me get my five-year-old to throw up on this kit and see what happens. <laughs> but yeah, I think we can all agree it's up. So, you know, with that said, one go each. So I think the scoreline is five to five. I think that's a great way to end the first counter-press podcast for, for us. You know, the, the first, first start. <laughs> we'll start off neutral because it's a new podcast. You know, because it's a new segment on the new podcast, we'll start neutral. You guys, you know, you guys get a point each, the five-five scoreline. I think that went well. You know, overall, what do you guys think? Any final? I'm word? very happy. I'm very happy I didn't lose, uh, especially given that Tree was my opponent. Uh, so I, I think this was a great success. I think Tree should be a little bit ashamed that he's drawn with me, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's too much of a nice guy to admit it on radio, on, on, on live on the pod. Don't bank on me. <laughs> I'm like Leo Puro. Uh, my track record with low rank teams is bad. <laughs> oh, I see. 
Just kidding. Well, that bodes well for me into the future, doesn't it? It bodes well. Even every news, it's just showing every news item. Even if you have consensus, you could still have different points of view. Why you agree need not be the same paradigm. Yeah, and I think that's great. It's okay. I'll throw it back to you to close it off. Yeah, we should probably do some uh, plugs if you guys have any. Uh, Roy, you got anything? Nothing at the moment, but you know, just do watch the World Cup. Been a long time coming, and you know, I think there's gonna be a lot of great matchups. But yeah, you know, just watch the World Cup. Follow whatever content that's on AI. There's bound to be a lot. So yeah, transfer season as well. I I can't imagine you coming to all the podcasts, but if you love all these rumors and stuff like that, do check out anything on AI. Yep, yep. And for you, Shri? Plugs to all those people who wonder on Twitter after seeing Saudi Arabia and say, I can't help but think why USA is not in the World Cup. <laughs> man, I can't even do that with South Africa. Man, we just... Oh. Don't talk about bad things. Don't talk about so, bad uh, because there was one tweet which summed it up perfectly. They said, Saudi Arabia finished above Australia. Australia beat Honduras on the playoff and Honduras were above USA in the contest. So that's wow. There's underhandedness happening. I'm sorry. There's no other way to explain this. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed our very first new segment and our very first new branding. That's it for Triple Sub this week. Uh, we'll try and be back again uh, pretty soon. Trying to get lots of stuff during the World Cup and uh, this off season. Until then, just, yeah, as Roy said, just enjoy the World Cup. I'm just really happy to be, have something to watch that this good <laughs> in the off-season. <laughs> and I'm really enjoying it so far. So, keep it locked on to AI. We've got everything that you need right here, pro and free side. Until we see you next week, have a good World Cup. Bye-bye. <laughs>